ever have a conversation with your girlfriend that was so good you wish it had been recorded? Think those conversations would be great to be able to share? Wondering if there's support or research for the recommendations your smart girlfriend gives about mental, spiritual, and physical health? This podcast is born to answer those kinds of questions. Hello, I'm Sherry Coleman-Collins, registered dietitian nutritionist, and here with me in the studio is my girlfriend, Dee Wilson. We're excited to have you joining us today for this edition of the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. Dee, how are you today? I am doing awesome, Sherry. My God, it is gorgeous outside. Look at that. I know, right? We have the door open uh, to the studio again. So those of you who have been listening to the last few podcasts, you will know that we are have gotten to the habit of leaving the door open in my office, which is so... So nice because we've got a view of the garden and the flowers and the birds. And you and might it's hear not the birds. 500 degrees outside. I today. know, right? <laughs> There's going to come a time when the door will be closed. I, I mean, mean, probably <laughs> next month. Probably so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we've had some 90-degree days already here in the ATL, but um, it's also, like, today is, I think it's going to be, like, 80, maybe. Really? Yeah. It we, might. I think we've had a day when it was 100. Like, I feel like I've looked at I what? think so. Maybe just, oh like, maybe it felt like the it. car. <laughs> But no, but I'm pretty sure that I saw For like real? on the little readout on the car oh thingy that it's at 100. And I was like, wow. what in the world? It's May. Wow. I was um, earlier this week, I was in Ohio and um, the weather was really nice there. It was mild and lovely. Is it drier? I would think it was drier. It was rainy there, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, it rained while I was there. But the, um, the there were some other people who were there. I was there for a a certain event for work that's top secret. I can't tell you, obviously, <laughs> but um, <laughs> some of the people who were there were from Arizona. And so they were showing me their, um, their weather app for their, their hometown where they, where they're from in Arizona. And it was 111 degrees where they were from. That's like, Hell to I know, right? <laughs> no way. I was like, where do you live in the middle of the desert? And they were like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Why are you there? I, I mean, it's got to be a beautiful state I'm sure or it something. Is. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I was in Phoenix last month and it was lovely. I mean, it was really, it was, I was in the Phoenix area. It was really pretty, um, but it's a totally different experience. Mm. And I really hadn't spent any time in Arizona. Um, I'm, you know, from Georgia and, and primarily hang out in the South as much as I can, but I do travel all over the country. <laughs> by choice. <laughs> by choice. But I do go all over the country and I haven't, but I hadn't spent any time in Arizona um, just because I hadn't had work that took me there. And Mm -hmm. um, so I got to go there for almost a week and it was really interesting because it's very brown um, as you would expect. But it was pretty. It's a different kind of pretty. It's like a different, it's a different kind of pretty. It looks a little bit like Mars. Like you imagine Mars. (laughs) No, but there are lots of, well, I mean, sort of, but they're like mounds of rocks. Mm. It's not like a hill here is like green and rolling and you go up and you come down and it's lovely. But there it was like giant rocks and boulders stacked on top of each other. And those were their hills. (laughs) That sounds amazing. (laughs) I would love to go and like try to climb that. And we did. And Mm. it's cool. I mean, it's, it's really cool, but it's totally different. And when I was there, it was actually really nice. The temperature was in the seventies. It was, it was not it was not hot. Um, and it turned out it was an unseasonably cool time for them, (laughs) but it's really interesting because even with the, um, 111 degrees that one of the ladies was showing me last week in the evening, it cools down 30 degrees into the seventies. So it's really interesting. Well, I lived on Fort Bliss for a while. So where's that? It's in uh, El Paso, Texas. Okay. And it's kind of the same thing, you know, super hot during the day, but you have to have a light jacket or sweater in the evening. Yeah. Well, I think no matter where you are, like the weather is unpredictable. 
Uh, to a certain extent, right? Hitting. So here it's like, you know, it's super nice and mild today, but tomorrow it might feel like you're in the <laughs> desert <laughs> or it might rain for like 14 days in a row or that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I love it. And I know that wherever you are, a uh, girlfriend listening to our show right now, you probably love your hometown. Just like I love my hometown and wherever I go, I always look forward to coming home. And I think that the great thing about Atlanta is like it's solidly between the mountains and the beach. Oh, I think Atlanta is perfect. Yeah. You get all four seasons, typically like the fall and the spring. It's very close together, but, you know, it's a short window. Mm-hmm. Um, you have city. You have country. It's just perfect. Mm-hmm. Love it mm-hmm. here. I do, too. In spite of my allergies, because I do have <laughs> allergies, too. I mean, that's why they make size all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I am super excited for today's show because um, I think that um, you might not know this or you might you might remember this, but in my uh, past life, I actually worked for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. And um, I loved the work that I got to do there. And I learned a lot about cystic fibrosis. And it's actually where I was introduced to nutrition as a career because I was... So you weren't a registered dietitian no. when you were working for them. Mm-mm. Wow. I worked in event planning and fundraising. And um, I loved that work. It was great. I met lots of families and, and individuals with CF and also met a lot of really generous people who gave their time as volunteers. And of course, the staff of the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation um, was wonderful. And I loved the people that I worked with there. And when I was working there, I went to the CF Foundation uh, or the Cystic Fibrosis Center at Emory um, to visit with some families and see some people who were there. And um, while I was there, I met a dietitian who worked with um, people who had CF. And it was so interesting to me because I'd always been interested in food and I'd always been interested in nutrition, but I had never thought about it as a career. I don't know Mm. why. I just didn't know anybody who did that. And so I thought that, you know, you know, people certainly worked with food, but I'd never, it never occurred to me that you could use nutrition or, or, um, nutrition could be part of a health professional's actual life professionally. That's fascinating. Isn't that funny? Especially because registered dietitian, is you. Oh, I know. I know. I know. know. It's like when you find your thing, it's like, that's what I was. And it's what I was meant to do, but I didn't know because I didn't know. And then when I met the dietitian there and learned about nutrition, um, and how to become a registered dietitian immediately, I was like, Oh, that's what I need to do. I need to do that. Yeah. I need to do that. And so it's funny because I, um, went to the, I went to the university, I went to Georgia state university. And when I went to, I went, I scheduled an appointment to meet with like the person who's in charge of the program. And I went and sat down with her and she's awesome. And I love her and we have a great relationship. But the first time I ever met her, she was like, um, she just kind of looked at me side-eyed and she goes, it's going to take you a really long time. (laughs) I was like, that's okay. Bring it. I don't mind. You know, five years of my life is going to go one way or the other. Exactly. And so, um, so I always use that to tell people like, listen, your life is going to keep going, whether you go after what you want to do or not. So you might as well just do it. And then at the end of five years, you're going to be five years older, just like you would have been otherwise, but you're going to be able to do what you want to do. So cystic fibrosis led me to my career. And when I became, when I started studying nutrition, I thought, well, maybe I'll go on to work with people who have CF and that would be really cool. And I would have loved that, but that wasn't what happened. Um, as it turned out, when I graduated, the person who worked at the foundation or at the center was, um, very happy with her job and didn't want to (laughs) leave. And I was like, I'm not quitting to give you a job. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Which was fine. And I ended up working in clinical pediatrics um, in the facility where near where she worked. But um, and I stayed sort of connected with some of the people, and I still have um, relationships with some of the people that I 
that when I worked for the CF Foundation. So it was a great, um, a great entry. And I, I have a, a soft place in my heart for cystic fibrosis. And um, I'm so excited to welcome our guest today, Lisa Ag- Agostoni, who is an adult living with cystic fibrosis. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you. So I'm going to read Lisa's bio and then we're going to dive in and she's going to tell you what cystic fibrosis is, because if you don't know, um, she's a better person to tell you than I am um, at this point in my life. So Lisa um, is awesome and she redefines normal every day. Like many CF warriors, she's outliving the expiration date doctors gave her parents when she was a child and she inspires others to never give up. And I love that. And I think that's true about so many people in the CF community. She credits mental and spiritual, uh, mental and physical well-being to gratitude, humor, and the love of family and friends. Lisa's online, an online marketing director, a certified yoga instructor, and an advocate for practical wellness. And I love that practical wellness. Mm -hmm. That to me is such a beautiful phrase because it's what we need in our lives. She's also unapologetically true crime and chocolate addict, which I also love. Uh, Lisa lives in Atlanta with her Chihuahua Spaniel mix, Zoe. And you can find her on Instagram at Yoga Girl. And that, that is spelled Y-O-G-A-G-1-R-L. So Yoga Girl. So Lisa, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Um, you know, it's so funny. I've never done anything like this. So it's <laughs> telling people about myself is, is kind of funny. I have no problem being uh, the center of attention, but None. when it comes to <laughs> right, when it comes to being like, tell me about yourself, I just clam up. Oh. So um, I guess you know what's funny is you just kind of define yourself by what you do. Um, so you know, I do. I'm an online marketing director um, for a, a company that that manages a bunch of websites, and um, I don't know. I you know, I have uh, so many interests and they're always changing. And I kind of consider myself like a Jill of all trades, master <laughs> of none, because <sighs> I'm fantastic at starting projects and learning about new things. And then eh, I'll move on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so really, I just, you know, I live in Atlanta. I've been here for about 25 years. I originally grew up in Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, that's where I was diagnosed and treated for CF the majority of my adult life. And then I went to uh, college at West Virginia University and then grad school at Duquesne for um, behavioral psychology. And I am not using any of it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, behavioral like, psychology, <laughs> like that behavioral psychology, that is one that to me is probably applicable across so many different areas. And in marketing, right? Sure. Absolutely. I, mean, I kind of joke. I'm like, now I'm using my superpowers for evil. You know, because <laughs> understanding human behavior, you can understand more about what motivates people and how they behave and how you can, you know, appeal your brand based on what people are looking for. So, um, yeah, so, um, I've been here for 25 years. I met Dee when I worked for the peanut board, um, which was a blast. It was one of the most unique experiences (laughs) to this day. When I tell people about working for the peanut board, they like say, what? The what board? The what? <laughs> what is that now? Oh, you know, yeah. Jamie Carter. <laughs> That's yeah, always exactly. right. And I did. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that's me. I just, I've, I've been here for 20 years. I, um, I've worked in a number of spaces. I've worked in marketing before it was online marketing. Mm. Um, and then, I don't know, I've just kind of evolved. I have, so many robust friendships and relationships here. I feel like that's kind of what defines me is, mm. you know, who the people that you love are and spend time with. And mm-hmm. 
Um, so, you know, a lot of what, what makes me happy is finding those like slices of joy with the people, um, that I'm friends with and that love me and that I love. So mm, I love that. Um, what I, I love answers your question or just rambling. But. <laughs> no, no, you're not rambling. Great. What I love most about Lisa is the fact that she will go after anything that she's interested in. And the moment that she's not interested in it anymore, she lets it go. <laughs> like I envy that ability to just say, huh, you know what? I'm done with this. Let me move on to the next thing mm-hmm. instead of, you know, kind of putting in a lot of energy into something that you really don't care about anymore. Yeah. And so that I I love that about her. Yeah. And she is wicked funny. (laughs) Like I think she uses the behavioral. um, What was that? Behavioral psychology psychology, Mm -hmm. um, in her commentary online. Like hilarious. Oh, that's funny. I'll have to start following (laughs) you so that I can get some of that. Some of those giggles in. I think, you know, it's funny that you talk about like being able to start something and just walk away from it. And I agree. I think that's a gift. I can do that with books and it drives other people in my life who read crazy. Like I'll start a book. And then if I find that I'm not interested in this book anymore, it loses my, I just put it down and I never pick it up again. Exactly. I don't have a problem with that. Life's to me, too short. Sister, I'm telling you, like that is how I feel. I'm like, you know what? I have too many other things that I want to try to accomplish and I might not make it to dessert. So I want to make sure <laughs> that I don't waste right. my time reading things that are boring or like driving me crazy. I'm like, I'm moving on, moving on. (laughs) And I think part of that for me has been, I've had to learn how to adapt and refine and redefine um, who I am. And like I've said in my bio, what normal is. So I've, I've kind of over the years refined um, boundaries with myself. Like, you know, if this isn't serving me, then let it go. And that doesn't have to be something negative. It can just be uh, like knitting, right? Yeah. I took up knitting and I love the the act of knitting, but I don't think I have one project completed <laughs> because for me, it's the journey. Um, same with drawing. Like I, I draw, I sketch and most of, of what I enjoy is the journey of it. Yeah. And I've had to learn that about uh, CF in particular. So <clears throat> when you have CF, you get recurrent infections, and I don't, I don't know if we can dial back and talk a little bit about what CF is. Yeah, let's do that. Define you, CF you for us. To, you have to kind of redefine your new, your new normal on a regular basis and finding joy for what that new normal is. Mm-hmm. So for the people who are listening who don't know what CF is, can you can you define that for them? Um, I, you know, the CF Foundation can define it better than I can, but... <laughs> But basically, it you know, when I was five years old and I was diagnosed, it was considered a terminal illness. It's it's a disease of, and I'm trying not to be too technical, but basically, um, and not to be gross, but the sodium chloride channels in my body don't function. Mm-hmm. And so people with CF produce thick mucus um, in a number of organs that we can't break down. So mm-hmm. we get recurrent respiratory infections. Um, we have problems with our pancreas, so we have nutritional malabsorption problems and diabetes. Um, so, and for women and men, it can cause reproductive issues. Mm-hmm. So, but the biggest thing that limits our lives and restricts our ability to always do what we want to do are recurring infections. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I was five, when I was diagnosed, it was almost certainly terminal, and they told my parents. You know, she won't live past 12. They even suggested institutionalizing me so that they didn't have to deal with the burden of it. Wow. And my mom, who was a nurse at the time, promptly told them where to go stuff it. Good um, for mom. And, Yay, mom. Yeah. 
And so, you know, and then when I was 12, my first expiration date, um, that got pushed to 21. That was my new expiration date. And then when I was 21, it was, you know, 36. And, you know, honestly, I don't even know what the average lifespan is anymore. I know that I've blown past my expiration date a number of times, <laughs> um, not without its challenges, but, um, you know, you just have to, you just have to keep going. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's Zoe in the background, by the way. She's, Hi, Zoe. (laughs) Well, you know, when I worked for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, um, you know, I learned a lot about CF and it's, you know, it's been incredible to see just since the foundation started how much research has been done and advances have been made in medication and treatment and extending Mm -hmm. the life for people who have cystic fibrosis. But I think it's still considered to be a terminal disease. And um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's considered life threatening. Life threatening. Now. But okay. yes, you know, because that that terminal label can be so hard uh, for a lot of patients and parents to handle. But yeah. yes, it's definitely it's life shortening. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, tell us about your life. Like, what is what is your what has it been like? You you mentioned the the infections, um, but also you've done a ton of stuff. So it certainly hasn't significantly limited you, which I think is awesome. And, um, and I love that you're, you were diagnosed when you were five, you said. Yeah. And that was in Pennsylvania. That was in 1977. Okay. Yeah. So that was, you know, back in the day when there was so much archaic information about so many diseases, Mm -hmm. but my parents never really catered to me being a victim or a sick child. Mm -hmm. It was really just take your medications, do what the doctors tell you, and then go out and play, get out Mm -hmm. of my face, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like a normal kid. Um, And so that's just what I've always known. I just, you know, and like a lot of kids, you just kind of have this, you know, you see a lot of children taking medications frequently and it is, it kind of sucks. If you've never had to do that, you look at it and you think, wow, that poor kid. But the reality is that poor kid really hasn't known any different. We just know that we've got to do what we got to do. We take care of ourselves. Um, And luckily, I didn't have my first real whopper of an infection until I was 21, um, which is almost unheard of yeah. um, in CF. That was the first time I had to be hospital, not even hospitalized. I had to do some IV antibiotics for a couple of weeks, which is this a typical course when you have a, a, a exacerbation, they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went another 10 years without having any other major flare-ups. And um, in that time, I traveled uh, most of Western Europe by myself. Wow. Yeah, I went to Italy. I did Spain and Portugal and um, just kind of seized the, the day and the curiosity. And then, you know, I started to get more recurring infections and, um, you know, where it became almost three times a year I was having to go through and get IV antibiotics and hospital stays and things like that. So my life kind of shifted in Mm -hmm. terms of what I was able, you know, the flexibility I was able to, um, to do. So I was glad that I was able to do some of that traveling and, and wild living (laughs) before before the disease just kind of does what it's going to do. Yeah. I just, I, you know, when you were talking about the way that your, your parents raised you to just understand, Hey, you just take your medicine and then, you know, get out of my face like any normal kid. It reminded me of a story you told about when you were going to run away. Do you remember that story? Oh yeah. 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 I I found this hilarious. Tell us the story. Yeah. So 
what's funny is I don't even know what the catalyst was for me deciding to run away, but it was so deliberate. I waited until my parents fell asleep and I loaded up everything in the car that I thought was important, which included my uh, like nine inch black and white television because that was paramount <laughs> even back then. Um, and, and I put my little brother in the passenger. <laughs> he was <laughs> three years younger than me. And I backed the car. I was seven years old. Backed the car out. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right through the garage door. Oh my gosh. And over like kind of like over like a little bit of a cliff so <gasps> that the car was pointing skyward. Oh my gosh. And um so I get out of the car and I get my brother out, everyone was okay. And I go up to my dad and I kind of he was sleeping and I nudged him. I said, Dad, Dad, you can kill me now. You can kill me now. <laughs> He's like, What? You know, what what? So I think he was just so dumbfounded and, and appreciative that I wasn't dead <laughs> that I didn't get nearly the scolding or, you know, reprimand that I thought. But the next day he sat me down and he said, so, you know, tell me about, you know, how you were prepared to run away. What did you take with you? Uh-huh. Which was a unique conversation. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I told him all these things and he said, did you remember to take your medicine? Oh. And I said, no. And that was the thing that I remembered about that conversation mm-hmm. was that, even in my, you know, desire to run away, he was always, you know, my parents were always beating this, you know, into me verbally to take care of yourself yeah. and make sure that you have everything that you need and make sure that you pack your meds, even if you're going to run away. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. I love that. What wise parents you had. Yeah. I think that, you know, I think that that, so, so I don't know you well. I mean, we're just getting to know each other. And I think listening to you, I can tell that your parents had such a huge impact on your attitude and your attitude has had such a huge impact on your disease. Absolutely. And on your life. I mean, I think, you know, we, we, I think that you have, I think that research supports that the attitude we have, regardless of the condition of our life, right? Our health, the attitude that we, uh, that we approach it with, it determines a certain percentage and maybe a big percentage of our outcome, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And your your attitude is just awesome. Well, you know, it wasn't always. I mean, there were times when, um, you know, a new or a scary diagnosis or prospective treatment, um, you know, hit me and it was devastating. And there were times where I said, why am I even doing this? If, if this disease is going to win, why am I doing this at all? And, um, you know, I just had to kind of you go through a mourning period, you know, mm-hmm. you have a little bit of PTSD when you have chronic illness because it's not like you have a cold and then you get over it and then you move on or a broken bone. You have to kind of relive the trauma on a frequent basis. And so you have to adapt to survive physically and mentally. And so <clears throat> at one point I just kind of thought to myself, you know, I can be, you know, I can be miserable and have CF and have to do three breathing treatments a day and four IV antibiotic courses a year, or I can be happy and have to do three breathing treatments a day and have four antibiotic cards. I mean, regardless, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I can change is the attention and, you know, what I bring to it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that I get sad. I don't get sad, but just kind of accepting that's only one part 
mm-hmm. you know, of, um, of the whole. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I think that's, that's the part that's so, I think, uh, universal. I think a lot of times we don't recognize that we, we all have an ex- expiration date. Yep. The only thing that's different between me and you, Lisa, is that I don't know what's going to take me out. You know what I mean? Neither do I. Um, right. Well, that's true. That's true. Right. And it, that's, that's something that a lot of CF people have to kind of come to grips with. We assume that this disease is going to take us out. And so we kind of act, you know, we, we have this perspective where we have to embrace every day, one day at a time. But the reality is, and not to be morbid, I could walk out and get, you know, uh, a toilet could fall on my head. I don't know. <laughs> so nobody really knows. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that one. I always say like I could get hit by a bus, but I like the toilet falling on your head so much better. Right, because it's so absurd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, So attitude is definitely a huge part of um, maintaining your health. And I think it is for all of us. I mean, it is all for all of us, no doubt, for sure. Mm -hmm. What what are some of the other healthy habits that you um, that you use? You know, you talked about taking your meds. And um, are there other things that you have um, incorporated into your life or that you're sort of like, these are your solids, this you do all the time? Sure. So, you know, one of the the other things that I did when I outlived oh, my expiration date <laughs> is I decided to become a uh, certified yoga instructor. Yeah. And so yoga and mindfulness and meditation are hugely beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, they they really they've, I think, been helpful in for someone with CF breathing, you know, conscious breaths and recognizing how to take deep breaths and not take shallow panic breaths, which I think, you know, contributes to our overall wellness, but our mental wellness. Um, but, you know, eating, I, I try to eat right, but I also don't deprive myself. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you want the cupcake, eat the cupcake. Yeah. I mean, don't indulge, but just recognize, I think, I think sometimes that whole mental thing comes into play too with, even what we eat or what we exercise, we're so stressed out about, am I going to eat too many calories? Am I not exercising enough that I think sometimes the stress of, of those decisions just kind of counteracts the benefits of, of what you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I exercise. Exercise is enormously uh, important with mm-hmm. someone with CF. So I, you know, put on my oxygen tank and I get on the Peloton several times a week and I cycle and then... I eat a big lunch and <laughs> do what I can do. <laughs> I didn't know you were on the Peloton. Yeah, man, I've had it for several years. I think I was like one of the first people that got what? I could not believe it. It was such a godsend for someone with me with uh, CF because being exposed to bacteria in a gym is just not a savory situation. So I was so excited to be able to take a spin class in the comfort of my own home that I just like seized the option. And it's been, it's been, I think, a huge part of um, how healthy I've been able to stay. Oh, that's awesome. I think, you know, just kind of backing up to what happens with the lungs, you know, so you mentioned this chronic infections and for many people who have CF that manifests itself in the lungs, right? So it's right. this claw, this thick mucus that gets, um, sort of clogs up the lungs, but exercise and deep breathing help mm-hmm. to break right. some of that up and expand right. the lungs, right? Oh Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, I, when I would take exercise classes, and I used to take a rowing class that, at a gym that's now closed, but 
I would have coughing fits like most people with CF do. And the instructors always kind of panic, like, are you okay? And, you know, through like a purple face and breathlessness, I'm like, this means it's a great class. Like, you know, <laughs> like if I'm coughing up a lung, that's a good thing. Don't worry about me. Carry on. I can, I can handle it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think that's like the best airway clearance. Yeah. I, when I worked with, um, when I worked at the foundation, you know, we learned a lot about, um, sort of the, the pounding on the chest that has, yeah. has to happen. Does that, is that something that's still part of treatment for CF? It's been a long time since I it was, it is, it yeah. is, it's, um, you know, they used to call it percussion. They call it percussion. Yeah. Right? Uh, when I was a little kid, that meant that my dad or my mom would kind of cup their hands and basically beat me <laughs> beat, beat my back, chest and my chest. back um, to help kind of keep the secretions moving. But now there's all kind of, you know, fancy schmancy Willy Wonka like uh, <laughs> devices that you can use. Most of us use a, a vest. Uh-huh. It's a pneumatic vest. So you kind of hook it up to a, a, an air generator and you, the, the vest inflates and it vibrates at certain frequencies and intensities and it kind of shakes everything up. Okay. Okay, so I'm I'm sure that's like very technical, and I know that that's helping your health. But the visual I'm getting—oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you with a generator and, and in the, the living room—is what you what you picture it. Yeah, wow. it is what you picture it. <laughs> oh man. So what are what are some things that you think people maybe assume, or are some inaccuracies around cystic fibrosis, or even even just chronic disease? I mean, you've I think that you've already shed so much light on sort of the, the part that attitude plays. And I would wonder, you know, are there things that people think or that you think they think that you'd like to set straight? Um, sure. I mean, I think, you know, for CF, it's kind of hard because people still, there's just not a lot of information around Mm -hmm. it. I mean, most people only ever hear about CF if they know someone who's been diagnosed or, you know, someone's trying to get pregnant and they screen for it because it's this horrible illness and that's really the extent of it. So mm-hmm. I don't often have to debunk a lot of misconceptions because there just really aren't any. Mm. Um, but when it comes to just invisible illness in general, you know, CFers, like a lot of people, um, they they deal with the chronic illness and, and they go about it as business as usual. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times because we do such a good job of trying to, quote, be normal and not let anybody see, you know, inside the curtain, um, we can sometimes do a disservice to ourselves whenever, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when it comes to having to conserve our energy or having to say no to plans. And, you know, I think a lot of times people with chronic illness, um, they kind of have to respect and listen to their body mm-hmm. and some friends might not always understand that that's not a personal thing. It just is what it is. There's yeah. a, I forget the woman who created the, <clears throat> the concept of the spoon theory. Have you guys ever heard of this? No, I haven't. No. Okay. So when it comes to having chronic illness, um, you know, something like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue or CF, we get tired easily. Mm-hmm. So for example, for me, just waking up and going, um, it's, it's exhausting. I have to get up and then I have like this, you know, massive attack and this coughing attack and then I get tired and then I've got to do my medications. And so a lot of things before I even leave the house, that can be exhausting. So she came up with this concept of, you know, like say all three of us were given 12 spoons in during the day. And those 12 spoons represent how much energy we have 
to get through the day. Okay. And she was interviewing a friend and she said, okay, so tell me what you do when you first get up. And her friend said, well, I wake up and I get in the shower. And her friend said, okay, give me two spoons. Hmm. And then she said, okay, now what do you do? She said, I make myself coffee and I get ready. She said, okay, give me another spoon. And basically to illustrate that before she even got out the door, she had, she had expended the energy for the day Mm. that a lot of people take for granted. So I think that's the biggest, you know, kind of misconception or something that I would want people to understand about living with chronic illness or an invisible illness that not everybody can always see Mm -hmm. is that just kind of not necessarily, you know, favor somebody, but just kind of be aware, be mindful. Give them a break. Give them some margin. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, that that's a great reminder that, you know, cystic fibrosis, like so many other things, can be an invisible, an invisible illness. You know, people who have CF look just like everybody else because they are just like everybody else. Um, And when they're healthy and there's no when there's no infection, a lot of times you wouldn't even know. I I had a friend um, in high school that I knew our entire high school career and I had no idea that she had CF until we were well out of high school. We were like yeah. five years out of high school and she got sick and I found out that she had CF yeah. and I didn't even, I, I had never known that she had CF. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I knew Lisa that you had CF maybe until right before you left the peanut board, maybe yeah. not even till after. And like, how long did you yeah. work together? A couple of years. How long were you yeah. there? Yeah. 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 It, you, know, you know, when you're a little, a lot of it is, I think, born out of being ashamed of, of a disease that makes you different or, you know, cause kids can be jerks mm-hmm. and, uh, for a kid with a chronic cough, you know, you hear all kind of terrible things or you see somebody that has a debilitating illness be treated differently and you don't want to be like that person. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of do what you got to do and you hide it the best that you can, but that doesn't really help. That kind of does a disservice to yourself by mm-hmm. not letting people in, not letting people who want to help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I work a lot in the area of food allergies and it's different, but it's similar in that you can't tell when somebody has a food allergy, you don't know. And sometimes right. people can have food allergies that can potentially be life threatening and, but they don't want to tell anybody, especially adolescents, especially, you know, people, right. you know, when you're in that age, I mean, middle school and high school suck anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> but to then throw into it, like a, something that makes you significantly different than your peers, at least in your mind, sure. you know, you don't, you don't want anybody to know. You don't want to tell anybody. And then at right. the same time, you know, by not telling people, you don't give them the opportunity to learn right. and then to become part of your community and part of your tribe and part of your support system because everybody has hard exactly. days, right? Yeah. yeah. And we need each other. I would say my biggest, like, you know, coming out of the CF closet <laughs> was probably when I went through yoga teacher training uh-huh. because we just had to, you know, be, we had to develop this you know, kind of bear trust with the the people in our, in our class. And it was, it was very eye opening. And it was the first time that I felt comfortable and supported enough that I had no problem just, you know, letting people know mm-hmm. who I was and, and what I had to deal with. And how old were you then? When I went through teacher training? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was after the peanut board. So. Yeah. I want to say 40. Wow. So you were 40 before you felt f- completely comfortable. That's what I'm getting at is like it took you. Yeah. I was yeah. like late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. yeah. Was whenever I finally was just comfortable in my skin to 
And I think also because my disease at that point had gotten to the point where I did need help and I had to be willing to ask. And so I had to just kind of reconcile that and just be okay with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I love, I have the saying that, um, sometimes God does for us what we can't do for ourselves. And I really Mm -hmm. believe like some, like another, I'm like a recovery person. So I like (laughs) have all these sayings. So the, so another one is that, you know, um, that we're only as sick as our secrets. And I really believe Mm -hmm. that, um, when we can be who we are everywhere that we are, um, we are much healthier mm-hmm. and when sure. we can be honest and not, that doesn't mean that like, I think you need to wear a shirt that says I have cystic fibrosis. So the, you know what I mean? I don't mean that at all, but I do mean right. that, you know, when we can be our authentic whole selves, as Brene Brown says, you know, wherever yep. we are, then we can begin to be healthier and that can help the people around us also be right. healthier. Mm-hmm. So I hate that it took until you were in your late thirties and forty to be comfortable with that. But I, I love that there came a point where you were, because I think the more we can all do that, the healthier we can be and the more we can help each other and develop empathy and compassion and community and love in a way that changes the world because the world needs to be changed. Yes, sure. And it turns out, I mean, CF turned out to be the gift that I never asked for. Oh, wow. Um, Because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that CF has done that have saved my life that have also... Um, made me, you know, grateful for what I have and, and exposed the people in my life as, as loving beings. I didn't even give them credit for, you know? Mm. Um, I mean, heck in college, like most people, I was a train wreck. (laughs) And if it (laughs) weren't for CF having to kind of be aware of that and dial it back some, who knows where I would have ended up? You know, I have to always put my health first and CF has been the reason for doing that. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that you can connect those dots, that you can look at it and go, you know, there's a part of this that sucks, but at the end of the day, this is part of who I am and actually has benefited me in so many ways. And I would guess it's Mm -hmm. benefited the people around you in so many ways too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, uh, Lisa is one of the most honest, like, gosh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, She's just going to tell it like it is. Yeah. Like she doesn't, she doesn't have time <gasps> to kind of sugarcoat it. Sugarcoat <laughs> like trying it. to find a, a way to say it without cutting, but she doesn't have time to like around screw the around with it. Yeah. You know, it's right. like, look, I, I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to help you or I love you or you're screwing. You know, she just, she just doesn't do that. And yeah. so I always appreciate that. I know where I stand with her. You know, we need those people in our lives. Absolutely. And I think, you know, from my perspective, it's because of CF that she, she just doesn't, she doesn't play with time that way. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's Mm -hmm. accurate, Lisa? Or am I just putting words? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's funny because I think part of it is, is also just getting older Mm -hmm. and being willing to see the big picture and just, you know, I just don't have time for. Um, you know, the drama, although, you know, there's also part of me that like peeks through the curtains at the drama, like Gladys Kravitz. Um, But yeah, I mean, but I also look to friends that are going to ground me as well. I didn't, I didn't get this way because I'm a Buddha. I mean, I got this way because of friends like Dee and other friends who have basically, you know, when you get out, you know, you get, there's a misunderstanding or you have, 
you know, a misperception about something or you're feeling sorry for yourself, you have that friend that's willing to kind of come in and step in and say, all right, knock it off. Yeah. Or level set with you. And so I think that we're all kind of a combination of the best people in our lives. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that picture because I think that's so true. And that and that speaks to the value and importance of creating. I, I don't love the word tribe, but I think it's popular and it definitely it definitely encompasses what I'm thinking of. And we have a we did a show about finding your tribe and it's one of our most popular shows ever because I think people struggle with that, with finding mm-hmm. their tribe and then maintaining a tribe. And as we get older, it gets even harder. But I think as we get older, it gets even more important. More important yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, okay. So what would you, what would you give as advice to somebody else who is, um, struggling with a chronic condition, whether it's CF or something else? Um, but, but they're struggling. What, what, what advice would you give on how to live healthier? And by chronic condition, it could also be life too, because (laughs) life is chronic. You know, I think, I think it's the one thing that I've learned, this isn't something that I can tell people to do because they have to kind of get there on their own, but um, you know, kind of leaning into the fear, mm. you know, not resisting the fear and just recognizing that kind of for me anyway, there's no such thing as fearlessness. There's, there's courage. There is, mm. you know, going to the CF appointments that cause an incredible amount of anxiety. Um, you know, having anxiety and fear about those appointments doesn't make you a bad person. The courage that you just go, that you still go through with it and do what you got to do. It makes you one of the bravest people, you know, that, and just know that you're brave for just doing that. And and I think also just recognizing that, as cliche as it may sound, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the most devastating diagnoses or um, things I've gone through in retrospect have been incredibly important and saved my life. Uh, you know, one of the first times I had to go into the hospital um, for an infection, at the time I was devastated. I didn't. I didn't even know what to do with myself, but in retrospect, it saved me and it taught me a lot. And so just, you know, trying to kind of pull back a little bit and try not to burn up on reentry and just (laughs) see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great advice. I think that's great advice. Life is, life is hard. I mean, I think whether you have whatever you're dealing with, we're all dealing with stuff, with stuff that's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the more on your friends, being on your loved ones, they're they're, there. They want to help you. It's really, really hard for a lot of people to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And because you feel like, especially when you've got a chronic illness, you feel like I can't possibly give back physically what they've done for me. So I, am I worthy of their help? Mm. And, you know, that's been a hard one to try to, you know, to, to accept that sometimes people just help you because they want to help you, not because they want something in return, but Mm -hmm. because they love you Mm -hmm. and to accept people's help and lean into the love that's available to you and know that it's not there because they're waiting for something in return. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. And I think so much perspective too about regardless of our condition, you know, I think we all have the potential to be. I mean, I don't know that there's a better 
a better term for it, but just sort of, yes, the fear of, of love and being able to give back. But also I think there's a certain amount of pride in all of us that mm-hmm. says like, I shouldn't need help. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't right. have to ask for help. I should be able to do this on my own. I should be able to exactly. deal with this. I should be able to, should be able to, should be able to. But the reality designed is, to. no, I don't believe that God made us to be islands. I believe that God made us to be in community with other people, that he, he built us to be with other people. That's how we're supposed to live our lives. That's why there's more than right. one of us here. Exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. <As> human. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, in allowing other people to enter into our lives to help us when we need help, it allows them to be who God's making them to be too. You know, I think that it teaches us each about our interdependence, our interconnectedness. And that's a really good thing. It's a really, it's a really good thing. It's a really deep thing. Um, but it's a good thing. We need each other. I'm sorry. I'm giggling. She's laughing. I don't know. I don't know. So deep, (laughs) (laughs) but it is a good thing. (laughs) Deeds deep today, <laughs> or maybe not. Deep thoughts. What's that from? It's from Saturday Night, Saturday Live. Night Live. Deep thoughts with Jack Handy. Isn't that his name? Is that what it is? I don't remember. I think it's I Jack Handy. I just feel like it's Saturday Night Live. I'm the only Saturday Night Live fan here. No, you are too, right, Lisa? I heard you say it. So, Lisa, are you a Saturday Night Live fan too? You know, I like the old school Me Saturday too. Night Live, and by old school, I mean like. The Eddie Murphy yeah, Saturday Night Live. The yeah. Back when it was Chase, funny. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think it's still kind of funny, but it's just not, it's not the same. No, I agree. I do think that there've been some brilliance. There has been some brilliance since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely love the old Saturday Night Live. But I love <laughs> Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And Maya Rudolph. Oh, and Maya Rudolph. She's awesome. And Keenan. Oh, okay, Keenan. All right. Yeah. But I think oh, she- I love Keenan's uh, family feuds. Harvey. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. So we digress. But actually, laughter is an important part of of being healthy. And so um, that's that actually is a great segue into like Dee said that you were wicked funny. So tell me about laughter in, in your life. Um, I think, you know, there was a meme that I saw once that just kind of captured it. And it said that, um, you know, adversity, something about adversity, you know, gives you a bizarre coping mechanism and a warped sense of humor and pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I just feel like you kind of have to find humor in every situation. And I try to do that, even in the most devastating situations, whether it's my basement flooding or whatever, I try to be grateful and I try to find the humor and that, that keeps you going. I love that. I was in a, uh, at a corporation this week uh, for a meeting and they have these um, promises to each other. It's like a commitment to each other. That's what they call it. Their commitment to each other in their workplace. Among coworkers? That yeah. Sounds... No, okay. it's beautiful. Is and it? Okay. Yeah, it was okay. so great. It had like huh. five specific things, but one of them was to have a sense of humor. And can you imagine if like in every workplace we committed to having a sense of humor with each other, how that might change our communications and in our families, if we committed to having a sense of humor with each other, how that might change our communications. I mean, we, we, we might not take ourselves so seriously. Yeah. Or we I might not take that. other people so seriously either. And I think that's a good thing because there's enough real seriousness in life, right? There's enough real yeah, seriousness. Sure. 
uh, having a sense of humor will keep you healthier than not having a sense of humor. I used to say that, um, <laughs> so Lisa, you probably don't know this, but I'm divorced. This is like one of our shows we had before, but I used to say that I had, before I got divorced, I had a, I had humor constipation. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. You weren't laughing. <laughs> I was not laughing. No, I was okay. not laughing. I was not laughing, that, but there, I couldn't find a lot to laugh at in my life. But I think that, you know, going through hard things can either make you bitter or better, right? It can make you bitter yeah. or better. And I think to get better, I needed to start laughing. And would you agree, Lisa, that laughing helps you stay better? Oh, my gosh, yes. Well, physically and mentally for us, I mean, when you get a good hard laugh, uh, when you've got CF, you know, stand back, man, we're going to be coughing. Um, and you know, and that's actually not a bad thing, but yeah, I mean, think about some of the, some of the best times you've ever had, like you're just in tears laughing yeah. and that's, you know, some of the, you know, D and I just had a girl's night recently where we watched Eddie Murphy all over again oh, and we're just gosh. in tears laughing. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I think remembering awesome. forgotten parts. And oh, yeah. yeah. It was great. That's great. That is great. I love that. Well, awesome. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate you sharing your perspective. And um, I'm wondering, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners that maybe we haven't covered? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think there was like, was it like the one thing that I wanted to tell you guys and I totally forgot it. <laughs> um, but, you know, I thought about like some of the books that I have read that have kind of changed, you know, how I think about things. And I think reading is, is help, you know, is helpful to reading, creating, finding something that, you know, you can do, even if you're not good at it, creating is, is really a form of meditation that's been helpful. Um, reading books like, uh, the power of now by mm. Eckhart Tolle. Love um, that book. That's one of these There's a book called joy on demand mm. by Chad Menken that used to work. He was an engineer at Google and he had, he used to do mindfulness classes and he talks about this concept of finding slices of joy, mm -hmm. which I think was huge for me because I used to just think of joy as this ethereal unattainable thing, unless you were, you know, a monk in Tibet that, you know, <laughs> you were enlightened or you were somebody who is cliff diving and then just embracing the adrenaline. But slices of joy are everywhere. It's like, you know, stepping into air conditioning after, you know, being an outside, yes, or, God. <laughs> you know, enjoying the taste of something or finding something funny. You know, I think if you start to look for joy and, and be grateful everywhere, it starts to become easier to find it everywhere. Yeah, I agree with that. I just, it's interesting that you talk about joy because I was just reading a book this week and one of the questions was, or one of the passages was about finding joy and, and there were all these great questions. So if you're somebody who's struggling to find joy, you know, one of the questions was, um, what, what was named three times over the last week you felt joy. And then, so you write about those three things, th things that made you feel joy or that you felt joy mm -hmm. during. And then, um, and then the questions were like, what do those things have in common? And then mm -hmm. questions like, what are things that are keeping you from experiencing that joy more? And what changes do you need to make in your life so that you can experience that joy more? It seems like it shouldn't be that complicated to find joy. Right. But I think it can be, don't it you? It can be. Yeah. I think it, because it seems like it's this bigger thing than it is. It's, mm. it's not, you know, everyone's best day on Facebook. It's, mm -hmm. it's literally 
waking up to the sun and on a Saturday and, and realizing that you didn't know it was a Saturday. And you're like, oh, this is great. You know, just oh, it's everywhere. Yeah. Oh, I, I can that. do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. For me, all of the joy, all of the moments of joy had to do with someone else, being with someone else, mm-hmm. being with other people. Because for me, the community and relationships are so much a part of my own joy. It, I, not that I can't find joy alone, because I definitely do and I can. But in this week, all of those moments had to do with someone else. My five-year-old son or my husband or one of my best friends or, you know, just being with other people makes me so happy. It makes me feel joyful, Mm -hmm. you know, I, and I think, I think the other thing too, that, that I think you're, what I hear from you when you talk about how some people think it's so hard is they make it this bigger thing. And I think people oftentimes, and tell me if you, if you agree with this is I think they confuse happiness and joy. I think they're separate. What do you think? How are they separate? I agree. Explain it. (laughs) Well, to me, you go ahead. You go first. Uh, Well, I mean, I think you can be happy, um, but I think joy is deeper. Yes. You know, kind of happiness to, in my opinion, this is, I mean, I don't know if there's somebody could come back and say, I've written 50 books about happiness and they're (laughs) totally wrong. Um, but I think that happiness is more superficial, yeah. whereas joy goes to your core and to your soul. And yeah. that's just how I kind of describe it and think about it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think to me, like happiness is circumstantial. It has to do mm-hmm. with the circumstances in, the, in a moment of time, whereas joy right. is something deeper. And I think for me, that's why the relationship piece, like being with other people, to me, part of my part of my um, wiring is around connecting with other people and relationships, Mm -hmm. but not just every relationship. Like it's the deeper relationships. It's those relationships where I'm very invested and the other person is also very invested. To me, those are, those are significant moments of joy for me as being with those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is probably why I wanted to do a show called Southern Fried Girlfriends. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you again, Lisa, for being with us and for sharing your perspective. You're so wise. And um, oh, please. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Dee, for suggesting this show. I think this is awesome. And I think our listeners will love it, too. We're really um, always interested in sharing unique stories. And I think, Lisa, your perspective and your story is unique and you're unique. And I think um, everyone benefits from hearing your your thoughts so i appreciate you well, being with us thank you so much and yeah. thanks for having me it's, yeah. it's it's nice to be able to just chat with girlfriends yes <laughs> it is yes it is and i wish i could have been a fly on the wall at that girls night between the two of you i bet it was a lot of fun <laughs> it was we did some great skincare got some belly mm. laughs in yeah. had some good food it was awesome that's what every girlfriend needs on the regular <laughs> Well, Lisa, as we close our show, every every show we close with the same question. And I'm going to ask Dee, and then I want you to think about your answer if you have something you'd like to share. But as we close the show today, here is the question we always ask, and that is, what is one thing you're going to do to be healthier today? So I got a new book that just oh. came out on audiobook, which I love. Um, and so I'm going to head out to the trail and listen to this book. And it's interesting that the book is called Crushing by T.D. Jakes. Oh. And basically the what he's talking about is how adversity is a vehicle toward something greater uh-huh. that God has for you. And I think that's basically what Lisa's been talking about. Oh, I think so. Yeah. 
Great. Well, Ooh. share with us later how you like the book. And if you think it's really good, we'll, you know, we'll share it with the audience too. What about you, Lisa? Um, I am going to walk outside. Ah. Um, <clears throat> I'm a big believer of nature being incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, putting your bare feet on the grass or on the ground and just, you know, walking around or just even just sitting and enjoying nature is, is incredible for your health and mm. get some vitamin D from the sun and some fresh air. So I'm just going to spend some time outside in this amazing weather right now. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think that being outside is so important and the fresh air and also the vitamin D, you know, we, we limit the amount of sunshine we get oftentimes with sunscreen and, and rightly so. And we did a show recently about skincare and um, being in the sun and we have to be careful about overexposure, but we also need to, we need to get in the sun a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. right? We need that vitamin D that's created in our skin. And, and there is something healing about that. Most, many people are vitamin D deficient. So getting out in the sunshine yeah. is a wonderful way to help combat that. I love it. And some people even have like seasonal affective disorder where they're when it's too gray for too long, they're in the winter and then they they get sad. So I think getting outside is awesome. I love it. Oh, even in the overcast days. Mm -hmm. I'm like so tired. Yeah. I can't wait to be outside today. I love all of our listeners in Seattle, all 14 of you. But I don't think I could live there because it rains too much. Even I'd though it's be beautiful. perfectly happy. You would? Yes. Oh That's my like goodness. my dream place to really? live. And when I do those mm-hmm. online surveys that say like, where should you live? Uh-huh. I got Seattle. Oh, really? Pacific well, I love Northwest. Seattle. I mean, it's a great mm-hmm. city. It's awesome. But it's always been great when I've been there. And I think for, for me, like I'm a summer baby and I love the sunshine. <laughs> well, for me, what I am going to do is um, every, almost every day that I've been home, because I travel a lot for work, but when I'm home, um, I, we go for a walk at night. As long as the weather is good, after dinner, we go for a walk. And I have just, this has just become such an important rhythm in our life. And um, it's been a great way for my son and my husband and I to get more physical activity and get our steps in, but also in a, just a really... It's a really, again, like going back to how I'm wired, right? So connecting with my people, um, we're going to do that again tonight. And they might not know it yet, but we're going to do that again tonight. Because the mama calls the shots. So we're going to go for a walk. We're going to go for a walk tonight. And that'll be a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Well, all right, girlfriends, um, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the show. Thank you for uh, spending your time with us. We love all of you and appreciate all of you, whether you live in a sunny climate or a gray climate. We think you're great, and we hope that you've enjoyed the show. And if you have any suggestions or ideas for shows that you want to hear about, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can email us at southernfriedgirlfriends at gmail.com or at dietitiansherry at gmail.com. And let us know what you think about the show, what ideas you have, suggestions, or or um, make a suggestion about a guest. Or if you want to be a guest, let us know. Because um, we're always looking for more people to be part of our show and part of our tribe. And join us on Facebook. Share this episode with a friend. And uh, be sure to rate the show, too. We really appreciate that. It helps other people find the show. All right. Well, I think that's all I got today. Y'all have a great day. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.